Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. As Corey comes up to preach, I just wanted to say something about Corey. It's, I'm not just saying this because his mom's here. I'm not just saying this because he gave me $10 beforehand to say this. So, um, But you still owe me. So, uh, you know, it's been neat seeing Corey. You know, we're coming on uh, three years with Corey here at the church, and it's flown by. I, I was talking to someone. I, I think I was talking to Corey. Have you been here two years? How long? year and a half? You know, no, three years. And I have seen his leadership grow tremendously. And I was talking to the elders this past week, I think it was, and I said, I think when we hired Corey, he wasn't, we didn't hire a boy. We hired like a young man out of college, ready to go. And he's become a man. And his leadership has grown and his his care and his love for people and and the students here and the families here has also continued to grow. And so um, it, it's, just been, it's just been great, Corey, ha- working alongside you. You know, me having, having done youth ministry for a number of years, um, Corey coming in and doing youth ministry, he, he's always been so quick to ask for help, to say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can I have your advice on this? Never once someone who said, oh, I got this figured out, or leave me alone, or I don't need your advice, you know, nothing like that ever. It's been a joy. It's been a joy to work with him all these, these past, all these years, these past three years. It's been a joy to work with him. And it, just his humble attitude, his, his care for people, it's just been, uh, it's been great. And so I just wanted to, Corey, honor you as you come up to preach. Um, he's sharing the word with us this morning, and uh, it's, it's been it's just been a lot of fun working with Corey. So, Corey, thank you, man. Thanks for being who you are. Thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for loving your wife. Thank you for loving the students here, the families here. And uh, thanks for being an example to, to all of us, what it means to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. All right, man. Have at it. Thanks. Big introduction. <laughs> Good morning. Um, what a privilege it is to be able to share the word. Um, I think this is the fourth or fifth time I've spoken, so um, it's just been a great experience, you know. And thanks, John, for really teaching me and coaching me. Because when he means to ask questions all the time, most of that too is like, "All right, you want me to preach? But like, how do you preach?" You know. <laughs> so that's been really good um, with that. So. This morning, uh, we're continuing on in our series about prayer, and uh, if, you, if you haven't been here or around, we've been going through just verse by verse the Lord's Prayer, um, and just, I personally have been really blessed by the, the speakers, and just, it's really interesting when you dissect such like a short piece of scripture, I mean, really, it's seven or eight verses, but um, going verse by verse and um, really lets you just kind of hone in and, and think about it. So we're on verse 12 uh, this morning, and um, it's simply, and forgive us our debts. We're uh, kind of splitting up the two two verses there. And as I started to think about um, this verse, uh, I realized, well, I didn't realize, I actually was called my dad earlier this week. Sometimes I'll call him, he's been preaching for 30 years, so... Um, he's a good resource, and he was just telling me that it's the 500th year 
uh, anniversary of the Reformation movement. I just thought that was really interesting. So if you don't know what the Reformation is, but in 1500s, um, it was when Martin Luther uh, nailed his 95 thesis on the door of the castle church uh, in Germany, basically standing against the, the Catholic church and the establishment that was extremely corrupt at the time. Um, and so I just want to start by just telling a little bit about the story because it just flows perfectly into um, what we're, sh- we're, we're getting into this morning. So um, this is really interesting. In 1505, Martin Luther was traveling um, like by horse down a road in Germany, and he gets struck by lightning. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but <laughs> he gets struck by lightning because like, who, how does that happen to somebody, you know? <laughs> he gets struck by lightning, and in this moment, he kind of falls off the horse, and he's there, and he, he, he prays to St. Anne. He says, you know, if you've saved me, if you, if you keep me from this, because there's probably a storm going crazy, I'll, I'll become a monk. So that's basically what he does. He, he makes it out of the storm, he's alive, and he becomes a monk, and he commits his whole life to trying to earn the righteousness of God. So he does this through prayer. He does it through fasting. He goes just nights without sleeping, trying to meditate on the Lord and Scripture. And he even goes nights, like freezing cold nights. He doesn't wear any blankets or anything like this. There's all these stories that goes on and on about him trying to earn this righteousness of God. And yet at the end of the day, it, he, he writes in, in, in his, his, you know, writings and things like that, he talks about how um, it never, ever brought him out of the discomfort he felt of feeling like the wrath of God in his life. So he felt like no matter what he did to try and earn like a relationship with the Lord, to earn right standing, he never, ever had comfort from that feeling. And so what happened was he ends up um, going to teach in Germany in a university, and he, and he speaks on the book of Romans. So he has to do a big study of it, and he starts uh, uh, teaching on that. And through his study, it's when he realizes <clears throat> that through faith in Christ alone, he has righteousness and peace with God. And it's like this kind of like moment where he's kind of born again, if, if you will, or, or, or he realizes that I can't earn my own righteousness. It's only through Jesus Christ. And this sparks him now questioning the Catholic Church and, and kind of, and I'm not condemning the Catholic Church at all, but at that time, you know, what, what was going on, stuff like that. He was, he was felt like these differences and all these things. Um, and so that began him to kind of speak out against and speak a lot about um, the righteousness through, through Jesus Christ. We have a God. Um, and that sparked him to write his 95 thesis, which is basically all, the, all these things going against the teachings of the church at the time. Um, and the first one is that a believer's life will be marked by a life of repentance. And it really just skyrocketed the Reformation. There's other people who were involved, Calvin and some other people. Um, he helped write scriptures, and um, the Bible translated it into the ordinary just vocabulary. And the other cool thing is like the printing press was invented at the same exact time. And I thought like, that was the Lord, you know, like the same time that he kind of had this realization and this movement began, the printing press started and they're able to print now these Bibles that were translated and people have them. So anyway, that's just really interesting. But so I thought it was cool. I think it's good for us to know church history, but really in the life of Martin Luther, he just didn't have this concept of of his sins already being forgiven by Jesus Christ. He just couldn't wrap his head around that. So the encouragement right off the bat is this. When we read um, Matthew 6, verse 12, 
and we read it, it says, and forgive us our debts. Know that if you're here this morning, if you're in Christ Jesus, your sins are already forgiven. Jesus died on the cross, taking on the the sin and shame of of the world, of of the people, and and he, he, he took that upon himself and got rid of it. You are forgiven if you are in Christ Jesus. So know that off the, off the bat. This verse doesn't mean that we have to daily try and like justify ourselves before the Lord like Martin Luther did. It doesn't mean we have to every single day wake up, me, Lord, save me, save me, you know, from myself and all these things. Because in Romans 5, 1, it says we have been justifi- justified by faith and have received peace with God through Jesus Christ. However, when I was reading, when I kept reading this verse, the question that stuck out to me was this: is that if we've already been forgiven in Christ Jesus, then why are we taught? Why does Jesus teach us to ask for our sins to be forgiven? <laughs> it's kind of a weird question, but it's interesting when you think about it. like if we're already forgiven, if you're in Christ Jesus and you're already forgiven, then why does He teach us to ask for our sins to be forgiven? Is that is that weird? Is it like it seems kind of different, right? What's What's going on here? When um, I was at Visible and Brooke and I started dating, I'm going to share a couple stories uh, that, that ties in about us. And I already talked to Brooke about this, but it, it more like reflects badly on me. So, but when we were dating at Visible, we started um, just getting. We already knew each other, but um, going dates, stuff like that. Um, there was one night where, I think it was a couple days, we didn't really see each other. You're at the school, so you see each other all the time. We have similar classes and everything like that. Um, so it was a couple days we didn't see each other, and I was in my room, and I think she texted me. was like, hey, you know, what are you doing? I want to come over. I have something funny to tell you, like a story I want to share with you. So I was just very, like, I was just rude, I think. I was like, well, I'm in my room. You know, I'm like, if you want to come, you can or something. I think the devil, like, took a hold of my body or something this morning. So she comes over, and I'm with, there's a bunch of guy, uh, uh, guys who are in the room where I computer, and she comes and, like, shares a story in my reaction, and, and any guy in here who's not dating yet, like, never do this, I said, like, oh, was that it? <laughs> and then I said, oh, you could have just, like, messaged me that. Like, how's, how dumb, you know, like, why did I say that? And so her, her I mean, her face was like, oh, okay, you know, and her, she had a friend there, they left. And I just remember that night, like, just being tormented. Like, why did I do that? I just dishonored her. Like, I just sinned against my girlfriend, like, all these things. So the next day, uh, I took her out to breakfast, and I just, like, pled for forgiveness, and she gave it to me. So <clears throat> that was when we were dating. Now, fast forward, and this will just give you a glimpse of, like, the things we fight about. We've only been married two years, but it's kind of silly. So fast forward a couple years, and now we're married. I'm obviously here at the church working. And one night, we had, we had this argument about, she, she said, hey, you know, I think when you lead worship at church, like, you should smile more. And, and I just got, like, super defensive. And I was like, what do you mean I need to smile more, you know? Like, do you want me to be up there, like, playing and being like, you know, so I just like, and so we just got in this argument and like, I just was like so prideful. I'm like, I don't need to smile. And like, just a silly argument, but it ended up where I just totally like, just put her down. Like the, I just talked down her all these things and she ended up going upstairs. She slammed the door and I knew like my life was over. <clears throat> but the, the part that um, for me, I realized now I'm like, was not good was that I should have like, 
went after her and sought forgiveness right away, but I just let it linger. Like, I, did, I, I took forever. It created stress and tension that, that whole night. I don't even know if we talked that night, like maybe the next morning. And it created this distance in our relationship with each other. It is because my pride and arrogance got in the way, all these other things, and that's probably the first of many. I mean, we've been married two years. But um, in, that, in this, these stories, the point being this, that it creates a distance in a relationship. And similarly, when we, when we think about asking for forgiveness of sins and we don't, what it does is creates a distance in our relationship with the Lord. And when we sin against God and we know we did it, we sense this heaviness of the sin in our lives. And in Psalm 30, uh, 32, and we can flip there. I'm going to go a little bit through Psalm 32 if you want to have that open um, as well. In Psalm 32, 3 through 4, I want to read this because David gives this really good like imagery. It's very poetic to kind of what I'm talking about. And it's 32, verse 3 through 4. He says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. I read that. I felt like that was me like that night when we were at Visible. I'm just like, oh, like I sinned against my girlfriend, you know, all these things. And then verse four, he says, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up or evaporated as by the heat of summer. So there's this imagery of like David is saying when when we've sinned against the Lord, when we've created this distance in our relationship with him, we don't seek forgiveness. It's like our bones are just wasting away, and you can feel it in your soul. You can feel the, heavy, the heaviness of the Lord, and it's not like a bad thing. It's a good thing because it, it's him convicting you. And when I read this, I was like almost um, comforted because when he talks about that heaviness, it's like the Lord's hand is on you because he's near you know, it, his, the heaviness wouldn't be there if he was distant from you. So it makes it a little easier to ask for forgiveness. But when we first read this verse, we realize that we're already forgiven, but that also forgiveness restores our relationship with the Lord. I mean, I think about times me, I felt like I disarmed my wife or maybe growing up my, my parents in whatever ways, you know, rebelled or lied or things like that. And, and really, like, it stemmed back to, I just never sought forgiveness from those things with the Lord. I had a relationship with the Lord, but I didn't take the time to be like David and just repent and, and come before the Lord, and instead I let it linger. What happens is, when you just forget something, right, you, or maybe in your mind you're like, well, I'm forgiven from that, so I'm good, and you move on, but you never actually speak it out and, like, pray, like, God, forgive me for this thing. It just creates this ten, unneeded tension, but it creates this distance, and it draws us away from the Lord. But we see in the psalm that during those times where we even feel that we create that distance, the Lord is still there. His hand is heavy upon us, and it's a good thing. So we see that forgiveness restores our relationship with the Lord. In the same chapter, uh, chapter 32 of Psalms, the next, next um, verse David writes this, he says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The best part is that we can repent and seek forgiveness from the Lord in full confidence that he will forgive us every single time. And I, and I love that in the um, Lord's prayer, it starts with our Father, because it like sets the stage for 
um, our Father who is caring, who is loving, and all these things. And when it gets down, like last week when we went through Give Us Our Daily Bread, it starts to talk about kind of the individual aspect. This is in the same way. Our loving Father wants us to come to him to seek forgiveness for things. And it's not like he's waiting and excited to, like, punish us. You know, <laughs> we're like, oh, God, like, please forgive me. Like, but don't, like, are you going to punish me? What's going to happen here? No, he's our loving Father. So when we come to him, he, he's there to give grace, to give mercy, and to forgive us every single time. He will never not forgive us. He is forgiveness, and he's full, and he is grace and mercy. He is these things. He wants to give these things to us because he is a loving Father. If you want to turn to um, Psalm 86, 5. I had so many Psalms that I was like, man, there's so many good ones that talk about this. Um, so I, I just have a few I want to share. I don't want to skip around time. But in Psalm 86, verse 5, uh, David also writes this. He says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. To all who call upon the Lord and seek forgiveness, they are heard by him and they are forgiven. And this should draw us closer to the Lord. And he rejoices in this. I think when we think about uh, seeking forgiveness and uh, when I share the stories about like Brooke and I dating and then married, um, it created action on my part, right? It's, it's not like... Um, Brooke wasn't going to come to me, you know, after I had just, like, dishonored her. She slammed the door. I mean, I had to come, I had to, come to her and, and call, call upon her, you know, it says, <laughs> call upon her. It sounds so, like, I don't know, Shakespeare or something like, I call upon you. But, like, I had to go to her and call upon her for forgiveness in the same way we have to come to the Lord in prayer. We have to come before him and ask for forgiveness, knowing that, our relationship will be restored, knowing that he will forgive us every single time because he is our loving father, and also knowing that he rejoices in that, and then we can rejoice in that. Because the, the, this, the, the third kind of thing in this is that what it leads us to is freedom, freedom in our relationship with the Lord, freedom to move on in our lives. And so in Matthew 6, verse 12 when it says, and forgive us our debts, that word forgive is um, translated to mean to send away and to be set free. And it's really, really incredible when you think about that. In, in this context, this word is translated as to send away, to be set free from our sins. And maybe you've, um, if you have like a computer, even a phone, if you have email on your phone, stuff like that, I guess computer would work better. On your computer, like say you want to get rid of something too, what do you do? You, in, you Usually they have like a trash can. You can like drag things in and drop it in. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Trash can, maybe it's a recycling bin. And when I was thinking about this idea of being sent away, I was laughing because I'm like, man, like your trash can just gets like filled up. You just drop things and drop things. And maybe there's like 5,000 photos in it. Like my wife has like so many photos on her phone. But just like deleted. So anyway that fills up and fills up, right? But it just stays there. And it's not until you hit empty the trash in other ways, like you hit it and it's like, are you sure you want to permanently delete these files? Are you sure you want to permanently get rid of these things? And when you hit that button, right? Like, do you ever see those things again? Unless you're a super like smart, I don't know, guy and you could track it down the dark web or something. But you don't see those things again, you know? 
And when you permit delete it, like, then there's another delete folder, but when you delete it from there, like, it's gone. You're never going to see that stuff again. And it's, kind, it's like a cheesy kind of thing, but in the same way, like, the Lord, that's what he's doing in our lives when he forgives us of sin. He hits that permanent delete, deleted button, like, on our computers, and the, the trash is gone forever, so to speak, in our lives. He doesn't count the sins we've done against him. He doesn't count it against him our sins against him. He doesn't remember them. And like, that is just so freeing. And I, and I think about times where I'm like, I know I need to seek forgiveness from the Lord. And so I do that and I ask for forgiveness and I know he's uh, forgiven me for those things, but it's hard to just like let go of. I think we can still remember it, but we need to rest in the fact and rest in the, the promise or really the truth that God doesn't remember those things. Like, they're forgotten by him. They're gone. So whatever you've done in your life, no matter what it is, like the Lord has forgiven you, and he doesn't remember. He doesn't count it against you. He doesn't want to punish you for those things. It's gone because he's just so full of grace and mercy. In Psalm 103, verse 12, David writes this, "'As far as the east is from the west,' So far does he remove our transgressions from us. When you think about a globe, um, when you look at a globe, if you go from like the south to the north, what happens when you get up here, right? You start to go south again. But when you think about a globe this way, if you go west, it's, it's never ending, right? West, west. If you go the other way, east, it's it's never ending. So I just thought that was really interesting because I've read this verse so many times, but when he means the east from the west, it's immeasurable. Like it goes on forever. And that's how far the Lord removes our transgressions from us. It's forever. It's God just keeps going. Our sin is gone forever, though we may remember it. God has sent it away and we can rest in that. It's almost like we can breathe again and know that it's gone. And we don't have to dwell there because he's created this freedom through his forgiveness of our sins to move forward into freedom in Christ. I think that's probably the most important part is like you can move forward in Christ in your relationship with him because he's given you freedom through forgiveness of sins, through daily sins or whatever that looks like. And then the beginning of verse uh, of Psalm 32 this is, how, this is how David starts this whole chapter. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And the word blessed just means vitality, meaning life, to receive life. So what he's saying here is that, like, really, those whose sins are forgiven, you receive life from that. You're blessed in that. God is giving you life. It's not that he just forgive, you, he forgives your sins and you stay there. He gives you life to move forward. He gives you freedom in that. And we have received freedom through forgiveness of our debts, our sins. I think this is just the work of the gospel, right? This verse is the, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only are we already forgiven in Christ Jesus through his, his work on the, on, the, on the cross, but he was resurrected and we have hope to be with him beyond this life, beyond what we see in front of us here. 
And we have hope that daily, like, we can come to the Lord in full assurance that he will forgive our sins. The Lord is good. He's gracious. He is merciful. Even if we question that, even if, you know, us in our just humanity and our own sin, we can't escape. We're sinful people. But the Lord is good and gracious. Even if you don't think that, maybe you don't believe that this morning, but I'm just here to preach and encourage you and tell you, like, he is good. He's a good father. He's a loving father. He cares about you, and he wants to forgive your sins. He doesn't want you to stay dead in your sin, right? Through Christ, he, he raises, raises us to new life with Christ. And then he blesses us, and we receive life through him. So why would we not want to come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, to grow closer, to receive more life, to receive more of the sense of freedom and to be like David. Because in the last verse of this chapter, it says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. After David goes through all these verses of like, Lord, forgive me. I know you'll forgive me. Lord, you are there. Your hand is here. And he's talking about all these intense things in his life. It leads him to no other place but to worship no other place. He's received freedom. And so he says, be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O you righteous people, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. It should lead us and stir us in our hearts to want to worship the Lord in whatever way. Maybe you just need to like sing. You feel like you're forgiven by, by Jesus and you, you need to sing. Maybe it's just praying. Maybe it's just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. But it should stir us to worship him. We shouldn't want to just sit back and say, oh, thank you, Lord, my sins are forgiven, and then just move on. You know, like, like no, we should be excited, and our spirit should be lifted, because he is giving us life and freedom. David asks for forgiveness. He pours his heart out, and it leads him to rejoice and worship the Lord. It's so hard because I want to start talking about the next verse because <laughs> it leads into that. But next, next week, um, the verse kind of flows right into each other. Um, and forgive us, or, and as we forgive those who, who trespass against us. And, um, but for the individual, for a believer, if you're, you're in Christ this morning, just know you are forgiven. Know that um, you can ask for forgiveness and your relationship with the Lord can be restored and that he offers freedom in that. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, Father, I'm just so grateful, Lord, that you even offer us forgiveness, God, from our sins. That is just so, so much grace, Lord. Father, that you would love us so much, that you draw near to us, God. Even when we grow, feel like we're moving away from you and growing in distance, Lord, we see in the psalm here that your hand is heavy upon us, God. You are still near to us because you desire us to come to you, God. And so you draw near. We are grateful for that, Father. I pray it would be a people, a church of forgiveness in our own lives and hearts, God, when we sin against you, Lord, in whatever way, God, I pray we, we would be quick to repent, that our lives would be marked by a life of repentance, God, that we would come to you and say, Lord, forgive me for I've sinned for this. And then in that moment, God, we wouldn't second guess 
We wouldn't think of all the reasons why we shouldn't be forgiven because we've done this, because we screwed up this relationship, because we've burned these bridges in our lives, but rather we would rest secure that you have forgiven us, God, through Jesus Christ. We have peace with you, Father. We rejoice in that. I thank you that from there, God, we receive freedom and new life through Christ, and we can move forward. We don't have to stay in the same place, God. I pray this morning, there's people here who don't know you, Lord. Maybe they've just thought, they've done too much, God. They've done too much in their lives. How can they be saved? What I pray they would, they would know, it's a free gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ. We don't have to earn it like Martin Luther was trying to do through his whole life. God, we don't have to try and earn a relationship with you. It's a free gift of your grace. And we're just so grateful, God. I pray that it would, this would stir us to worship you, Father. That we would rejoice that you offer forgiveness of sins, God. That you are good and that your gospel is alive and well and moving, Father. It changes lives. It has changed my life, God. You drew me from the pit. You showed me mercy, God. And I am just so grateful. Lord Jesus, thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.